This podcast contains mature themes and explicit language. Movie Lovers is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. is up jacobson this is how we do it <laughs> it's friday night it's actually monday, monday morning <laughs> hello everyone out there in movie land hola welcome to movie lovers thanks for tuning into today's episode jonah here is a musician i mally am a designer and together we are movie lovers movie lovers is a podcast where we take turns picking the movie each week whether the other one wants to watch it or not, and we discussed our list of topics. <laughs> Fucking creepy. Did you say disgust? Maybe. <laughs> Doing this podcast every week gives us an opportunity to make the other one watch all of these fucking movies that we've been putting off since we met in 2015, which surprisingly is a lot of movies, turns out, including this one. Correct. So today's episode of Movie Lovers is about the 2011 film called Water for Elephants. Not like Water for Elephants, which is what I was calling it, because I was confusing it for like water for chocolate. Ah. Yeah. You're silly. It should be lemonade for elephants. Yeah, because Rosie <laughs> liked to drink the lemonade. She sure did. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we hop in, though, let's do a really quick kitty update, which if you're hopping in on this episode and this is the first time you're listening to us, we have three cats and they're all named for movie characters and or actors. Correct. Can, so. I, can I say all of their full names? <sighs> so our eldest is named Forrest Gump, Fuzzy Pants... Scott's Bass Lessons? No, no, no. Scott's Bass Lessons is Kevin's middle name. Forrest Gump. Are you sure? Yeah. Forrest Gump, Fuzzy Pants. What's the most recent thing? Not the Mons Pubis. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was Scott's Bass Lessons. P-Videos. P-Videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Forrest Gump, Fuzzy Pants, P-Videos, Gene Jacobson. Okay. And the P-Videos thing, I have to explain. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Jonah, when he's at work likes to send me videos on Snapchat while he's peeing at the urinal. And he will dip the camera down so I can actually see his dick and see the pee. <laughs> and he's usually singing a dumb song or... Yeah, about the, how the pee is coming out of my right. anus. And one day I was just like, I said something about, you're always sending me pee videos. And for some reason, the term pee videos just stuck. You're the best. <laughs> okay, so then our middle child, Bruce... A.K.A. Bruce Wayne, Jazzy, Stinky Butt, Gene Jacobson. Yes. Because he... Has, he's a cow cat. Yeah, and his butt just stinks every once in a while. He has a stinky butt. I think he's too fat to lick his own butt. <laughs> and then our our youngest child is Kevin McAllister, Costner, High Five, Scott's Bass Lessons, Gene Jacobson. Yeah. <laughs> so you go. Yeah. Okay. They're good. They're being little shits. This morning, jumping on top of the fridge, Bruce crawling behind the washing machine, and then I have to pull the thing to the side so he can get through because he's too fat to get out on his own. Mm, yeah. They've just been 
they've been a handful. So if you hear anything crashing around in the background, that is our children. Yes. All right. Well, let's move on to Water for Elephants. Here is the movie. This movie was an elephant movie, and Mally Jean picked it. Why did you pick it, Mally? Well, I picked it for a lot of reasons. A, I wanted wanted to watch a good romance film. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been itching to watch a Reese Witherspoon movie, and I have several on my list, so kind of just needed to pick one, and we'll do the other ones at a different date. I actually had shared on our Instagram on Reese Witherspoon's birthday that I couldn't decide between this movie or fear, and the consensus in the comments and in our Instagram story was to do Water for Elephants. So here we are. Thank you for your feedback, friends on the interwebs. I also was leaning more towards this movie because Robert Pattinson is in it, and the Batman just came out. We went and saw that in theaters and absolutely loved it. This is one of those movies where, like, you know, people talk about Robert Pattinson and they're like, ooh, Twilight. He's actually done a lot of really great movies outside of Twilight. And this is this is one of them that's a little bit more of a popcorn movie. The other indie movies he's done have been a bit more fully displaying his acting prowess. But uh, aside from that, it's a fucking good story. It's a wonderful book. And I have... This love for old school circus stuff, there's like this weird love-hate thing that kind of goes on inside of me, like the idea of this train full of animals and performers and going from city to city and just how beautiful it was, especially in this time period in the 30s. It's just so gorgeous and all those rich red colors, the reds and the golds. And it's so beautiful. But then it has this flip side too, of also being very ugly and very terrible and animals were treated horribly. And, you know, people obviously weren't living in the best conditions. So it's just this really interesting topic in our history that I love. My favorite childhood book, Alex the Amazing Juggler, was actually, it kind of makes me think of this too, because it was in that sort of general time period. And, yeah, yeah. circusy. Yeah. Um, okay. Anywho. Let's watch the trailer. Sir, can we help you? You know circuses? 1931. It was the Benzini Brothers. That's the most famous circus disaster of all time. Are you telling me that you were there for... Right in the middle of it. I don't know if I picked that circus. But something told me that circus picked me. Worlds run on tricks. Everyone plays. You're a beautiful woman. Deserve a beautiful life. A star, church. Out there, I got nothing. 
If anybody listening can comment on any of our shit on social media and tell me what that music and that trailer is from, I would be very grateful. Because it is not the music from Water for Elephants. And as we talked about in many, many episodes, scores from different movies are used quite commonly in trailers for new movies. But what the fuck was that from? I don't know. It was good, though. Yeah, I recognize it. So it's going to bother me. So please help. Please. All right. Jacobson, uh, why don't we jump into our first memory with this movie? What was yours? I honestly do not remember the first time I saw this. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I would have been in college in 2011. I know that I saw it and I loved it. And then when I realized it was based on a book, I went out and bought the book, read the book immediately. That's my favorite. I love I love when you fall in love with the movie and then you realize it's based on a novel and then you can go read the novel and there's usually so many more details in the book than you could ever fit in a movie. So that's that's all I got. All right. Was this was your first time? Yeah. Yeah. I had heard of it, but that was as far as that went. Um but I definitely enjoyed it. So why don't we jump into Mallory Explains movies? Mallory Explains Movies. In thirty seconds or less. Yeah right. Water for elephants is a story that takes place in 1931. Our main character, Jacob Jankowski, played by Robert Pattinson, is in Cornell studying to become a vet, and he has a family tragedy. His parents both die in a car accident, and then he also learns that he is dirt poor because his parents, you know, they they like refinance their house or some shit in order for him to go to Cornell. So, In a moment, he has nothing. And in those days, something you could do when you didn't have anything is you could join the circus. He doesn't knowingly join the circus. He hops a train in the middle of the night while he's walking to a nearby city and turns out it was a circus train. And it evolves into this beautiful story of him becoming the circus's vet And, of course, he has to fall in love with the owner of the circus's wife, who's played by Reese Witherspoon. And there's a lot of of ups and downs. And they acquire an elephant at some point when a different circus kind of dies and they they buy up a bunch of shit every time. Every time a circus dies, it, like, gets cannibalized by other circuses. And so then there's this whole element of of Rosie the Elephant being trained and there's some very sad unhappy <sighs> Christoph Waltz beating the shit out of an elephant and that's really fucking sad and makes me angry it's a beautiful story though it's really the set design the love story mm, it's fucking everything and I don't we'll probably end up spoiling the ending so spoiler alert they end up together yeah spoiler alert all right. Excellent. Good job, Mallory. Yeah, I feel like movies. that was really half-assed. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, best actor, I uh, have Christoph Waltz by far. Mm. See, I said Reese, which she's the reason why I chose this movie. But I thought it was pretty cool in my research. She trained for five months with the circus and with elephants and horses to do this movie. And I've got a couple quotes from her in my movie magic section, but... 
it is very evident as you're watching her on screen how graceful she is. And obviously there are some doubles in certain points, Mm -hmm. but it's also really obvious when it actually is her in the film doing those things. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, props for the method acting. However, and henceforth, I and I usually don't strongly disagree this much with your best actor choice, but Christoph Waltz was incredible in this. He made this movie. Well, yeah. If you hate him as much as you do, it's because he's doing his job right. Exactly. So, yes. It makes me wonder what he's like in real life. He's probably just like this nice man, you know, who's yeah. just a phenomenal actor. He just, yeah, he, he plays such a good villain. Yeah. It's insane. He should be in the MCU and play... <gasps> He would be like the best MCU villain ever if he they found the right character for him. Ooh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Okay. Not that everyone has to be in the MCU, but no. anyway. But anyway, he could kill it. Yeah. So who do you have for the O'Doyle? O'Doyle rules! Hell yeah! Um the bullhook elephant guy that sold Rosie. Um, to them, remember, and then Rosie oh, sprayed yeah. him with water or whatever, because he he was actually the textbook O'Doyle, and I was glad that I was able to pinpoint that. Mm, okay, yeah, he um, that actor, a movie that we will end up watching at some point is um, Where the Heart Is with mm-hmm. Natalie Portman. He's in that. He plays Forney. He's like one of the the lead guys. Forney is his last name. Cation. No, it's a it's such a quirky movie. I don't know if you'll like it, but I love it. And again, also based on a good book. Mm. <laughs> you feel that little bump, bump, bump? It's where the heart is. It's a lot of southern accents. Um. So I put down Blackie. Blackie is the guy that is always red lighting people, which red lighting is throwing someone off the moving train and probably killing them nine times out of ten. Right. Um. He's not, I mean, he's seen several times in the movie, but, like, I couldn't point him out in a lineup, you know? Like, he's not, like, a character that has a lot of lines or anything. He's just, like, this this dude that loves throwing people off the fucking train because he's a fucking sadistic dick. Right. However, so I think there's actually kind of an art form to finding the O'Doyle because you have to find the character with the least possible amount of screen time who has been placed there just to be a dick. You know what I mean? And right. I felt like... I feel like your guy probably Perfect. Wins. My guy was the perfect O'Doyle. Right. Well, and he verbally, like, expressed things that make him the O'Doyle. Right. Like, Blackie is a character that's referred to a lot. He doesn't necessarily, like, say anything. Like, he's just, like, killing people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he's maybe a little extreme. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about character that you most identify with. Uh, for me, it was Pattinson's character, Jankowski, um, just for the reasons that, A, he loves animals, and B, he loves blonde chicks. <laughs> so, other than that, there was no relatability mm-hmm. for me. I also said Jacob mm-hmm. Jankowski. I just, I, I completely identify with the way that he was just mesmerized by the circus, you know, when he first sees it, and that's one of my favorite scenes, spoiler alert, we'll talk about that in like two seconds, when he sees it for the first time. And part of it is like he's sort of falling in love with Marlena at first sight, but also just the spectacle of it. And I really identified with that because I feel like I'm like that whenever we go anywhere new, when we travel in Europe, Mm -hmm. you get to see me like a fucking kid in a candy store, just like, wow, (laughs) everything. 
And that's definitely the way I feel when I go to like Disney World or Harry Potter World or whatever. So, and also his love for animals. Duh. Let's move on to most iconic moment and favorite scenes. Yeah. Um, Rosie the elephant killing August with the spiky thing. Yeah. The, with, with her steak. Like her the, steak, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I also have that. <laughs> that was sweet. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't expecting it. Official reports said August had been trampled to death. Blackie was never seen again after Wade and Grady dragged him out of that tent. And no one was charged with letting the animals out of those cages. To the police, it could have been anyone. Actually, in my bullet points at the end, I have what, what, how I predicted that August was going to die, and it didn't come true. Oh, so. ooh, I'm going to be really curious mm-hmm. to hear. Yeah, that scene... In general, it's just, it's so, you don't know what's going to happen right. in any way, shape, or form. Um, so I already talked about when when Jacob sees the show for the first time, just the the music in those scenes. There's a couple of scenes that are like that. There's that scene, and then there's a scene, like, once they actually figure out how to work with Rosie, because they're trying to train with her, but she doesn't fucking listen. They realize that she speaks Polish. Which works out nicely because Jacob's parents were Polish. So then there's another scene where we're seeing how successful they're being with Rosie. And there's those two scenes have like the same type of music, that like dreamy, magical, instrumental shit going on. And and I love both of those scenes. And then the other scene, I just, I, I tacked it down really quick after we watched the trailer when they are erecting... The tent. Oh, erect. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's so cool, that whole sequence where they're, you know, pounding the stake in and then, the, you know, they're all having to like heave together with the rope to raise the tent. It's just so cool. Mm. So I think <laughs> we probably have the same shit for least favorite scenes. Yeah. I mean, I just say Rosie getting poked with the bull hook. Yeah. Not nice. <laughs> yeah, all of the scenes where Any, Rosie gets hurt. Yeah. Any, I mean, you and I are huge animal lovers, and I think we both see red whenever we hear about any sort of unkindness to animals or animal yeah. abuse. People I couldn't give two shits about, but animals. Yeah, just fuck right off with that. Yeah. And I, there's a theme throughout the book and I've read it in a few articles as I was researching this movie, you know, this this notion of the way you treat people can reflect the way that you will treat animals, which is definitely true about August. Uh, I don't think that's true for everybody. I feel like some people are just horrible to animals. And maybe they're not horrible to people. I don't know. But it's just... There, you ha- there's something fucking wrong with you 
something is wrong with you if you are horrible to animals. Just you deserve to die. That's all there is to it. Yes. Body count. I'm going to kill everybody. It is going to be fantastic. Body count. Five, I wrote down. So here's who I have. Okay. Robert Pattinson's two parents. Oh, yeah. The little person guy, Walter, Mm -hmm. and then the old dude. What was his name? They called him Camel. Camel. So that's four, and then August. Spoiler alert. So five. Five. So yeah, so five like real characters that we know of who either have names or we've seen their faces. And then then on top of that, Reese Witherspoon's horse. Oh. Silver. Oh, if we're counting animals too, yeah, then. Right, I mean, we don't know other than, I mean, that's the only animal that died on screen. And then whoever got eaten by the lions and shit when they let all the animals out. Well, right. And then there's all the guys that got red-lighted. All the guys that got thrown out of the train. Yeah. Like, they, they'll they talk randomly like, oh, yeah, like, August had, like, nine guys red-lighted last night. So I was trying to find online without having to go back through the movie and find all those fucking lines where people said that. So mm-hmm. I think anywhere from there's the five, like, real characters that we know. Yeah. And then the horse. And then a bunch of like unnamed. There's a lot of gray know. area here, so maybe probably total around maybe fifteen to twenty people then, or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, let's jump into Mallory's. They need to fuck. Mallory's. They need to fuck. <laughs> All right. Here are okay. your here are your choices. I'm ready. Rosie and Jacob. No bestiality. Come on. August and Jacob? Mm. There's a lot of tension there. Yeah, I just don't find Christoph Waltz attractive. Blackie and Rosie? <laughs> Quit trying to get people to fuck the elephant. Rosie and the toothless lion. They could have cute babies. Uh... Like a, a liophant or an L lion. Walter and old Jacob. <laughs> There's no sexy choices. I don't want to pick any of them. You have to. That's the rule. All right. Well, then I'm going to pick two people, and I'm going to pick August and Jacob. All right. Some They could hate fuck a little bit. They could hate fuck. All right. <laughs> Fucked up. Favorite quotes. I only have two this time. Okay. Why don't you take those rings out of your head, and maybe you won't be deaf and dumb. <laughs> that was a good one. Old man Jacob to the... Dude. Yeah, they like ticket um, boy. And then this one just really resonated with me because this is how I feel. Uh, someone said, "No one, nobody could be poor in America if they had half a brain in their head." And yeah, I agree with that. Jacob's father, right? That was something that Jacob's voiceover said his father had told him. Yeah, yeah. And you were like, "Yeah," and I saw you write it down. And I was like, "Yep, that is a that's a Jonah principle of life." Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is absolutely no reason. For anybody to struggle. Correct. We have this thing called the U.S. Stock Exchange. And also the internet. Like, you can literally learn how to do anything. Right. Yeah. I educated myself on the stock market just hopping on YouTube and watching videos. And I was like, oh, it's... Right. 
I've taught so. myself how to do so many things in Photoshop just from watching tutorials on YouTube. And, like, I didn't necessarily go to school for graphic design. I went to school for radio, TV, film. Like, there are principles that, that bleed over that are helpful for me. But, yeah. Truth. I have um, – all of mine are from when Jacob was an old man. So, work is the best thing for age, which I totally agree with. I mean, obviously, once you get old to a certain extent, maybe you have some limitations to your movement or, you know, folks that start losing their marbles a little bit. That's one thing. But I hate the idea of, like, old people are just this fragile thing that we need to tuck away and they don't do anything anymore. It's one thing to retire and to be happy and be retired. But I know plenty of old people in my life who end up going back to work part-time. Like my grandma did that after she retired. She Mm -hmm. went back and worked part-time somewhere. Like she needs to be busy. Like she's always got all of her like coffee dates with her her church girlfriends or she's going for walks and she does her like weekend things with her sisters and they play cards and whatever. It's fucking adorable. But yeah, like just cause you're old doesn't mean you're worthless, you know? Right. Cause you're young and you're worthless. So. <laughs> just kidding. Jacobson. I love you. And then the other one was towards the end. Uh, Jacob talks the guy at the circus into hiring him as like a ticket taker and the guy was like, we'll get you on the record book. Oldest man that ever ran away with the circus. And then Jacob says, I'm not running away. I'm coming home. Oh. <laughs> this Hallmark moment was brought to you by Folgers Coffee. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your but <laughs> nice Jacobson. You're so immature. I don't know. You're immature. I don't know how I managed to do this podcast with you. <laughs> like a nice guy. <laughs> Is that all your quotes? Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's jump into my favorite category: alternate porn title. Uh, it's time for whole alternate porn uh, title. Oh God, yeah. So. I kind of fail. I fail. The only thing I can think of is like elephantitis. So I'm like. That's good, though. I'm like water for elephantitis of the dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's where my head goes. And I, you should have just left it at elephantitis or water for my elephantitis. Right. I wrote down elephantitis, question mark. So I just like, it doesn't feel clever enough. Leave the question mark at the end of it because then it's like. Elephantitis? Oh. Elephantite. Elephantitis? (laughs) Maybe add an exclamation point, too. All right, here's mine. What's yours? Walter fucks elephants. (laughs) (laughs) Mine's better. Mine's usually always better, but I'd say 2% of the time yours is better than mine, and I'm Mm. always wowed. You know, because I start thinking about the alternate porn title maybe way earlier than you do, and maybe you should start thinking about it so that yours are better. It's not my favorite part of the process. I don't care. I don't care about you. That's not true. I know, but for the sake of this argument. All right. So I win. Today's... Me win. (laughs) What was your Diane moment, a.k.a. noticing things in the background? Well, I actually stopped the movie and went back like 20 seconds to point it out. 
and it's stupid. It was just uh, Reese Witherspoon and, and Robert Pattinson at a picnic table eating lunch, and there was a bottle of maple syrup on the table. <laughs> and I was like, look, look at the label, maple sap syrup. <laughs> Get it? Because you're a Vermonter. <laughs> anyway. Um, ah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I said, hey, that's the guy that fucked Forrest Gump's mom, the bank guy. Yeah. He was like, in Forrest Gump, he was like, boy, your mama sure does care about your schooling. Mm-mm-mm. And then Forrest is like, eh, eh, eh. it was that <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, you know, 20 years older. Or All something. right. Uh, let's jump into music score and sound trick. Music score and sound trick. Music score and soundtrack score and soundtrack Music score and soundtrack Music score and soundtrack Music score and soundtrack Music score and soundtrack it never gets old. Yeah. So the only thing I'm going to say, and then I'll let you talk, is like, I just, I love the magical circus sequence music, which I've already talked about at length. Otherwise, I just thought it was like the perfect dreamy score to go with a story like this. Yeah. The score was great. Um, it was composed by James Newton Howard. Um, and it actually had so many Thomas Newman vibes to it that I thought it was Thomas Newman until I looked it up and saw that it was Mr. Howard. Right. What other movies has James Newton Howard done? Um, a lot. Um, I think he did the Hunger Games movies. I think he mm. did, oh, uh, he did the Dark Knight trilogy with Hans Zimmer. So cool. they, they did that one together, actually. Cool. Little did he know he was scoring a movie with the future Batman. All right. Hey, Jacobson, would this movie be better with Jean-Claude Van Damme in it? Oh, God, no. My initial reaction was also no, but then I was like, but yeah, but he could have been a sweet circus performer that does the splits. Oh, Jesus Christ. I think in your brain, you think, you think always, you think always that Jean-Claude Van Damme would be good. You could you could find a way to fit him into any movie. Uh huh. It wouldn't be better with him in it, maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe. I don't know. Uh. Give the man a chance. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to movie magic. All right, so I've got some fun info. I pulled some factoids from an eOnline.com article by a fellow named Tierney Bricker from just last year. So let's look at some stats here. Water for Elephants grossed $117 million at the box office, which is awesome. And it showcased Witherspoon's knack for picking the right books to adapt years before she starred in and produced projects such as Wild and Big Little Lies. We very much know Reese nowadays for that type of thing. She's just so successful as a producer and obviously is starring in the things she's producing. But she's really, she's really pushing for there to be more quality roles out there for women. 
So this was uh, definitely a precursor to her doing that big time like she is now. Robert Pattinson was one of the last actors who joined in the role of Jacob. The director said, in all honesty, I was skeptical after Twilight because I didn't know, because of how stylized those movies are, I didn't know what he could do behind all of the contacts and makeup and stuff. When I sat down with him, I realized he's quite a bit like the character of Jacob himself. He's a really good guy. And even with all the craziness, he's still very humble, still very comfortable in his own skin, which I totally agree with. Channing Tatum, Andrew Garfield, and Emile Hirsch all reportedly auditioned for the role of Jacob. I already talked about how Reese Witherspoon trained with the circus and worked with elephants and horses for five months to prepare for the movie's stunts. She says, when I started, I had no idea how hard it would be. Those performers make it look so easy. But I threw myself into training with every bit every bit of determination I had. She also revealed that her stunt work pushed her farther than I had ever gone as an actor, which I think is super cool and is totally why she is my best actor pick for this movie. Another fun little tidbit. So Reese Witherspoon and Robert Pattinson had actually worked together previously on the movie Vanity Fair. He actually played her son, which is funny. And then his part got cut from the movie altogether in the final cut of it. Um, But so between that movie and this movie, they became really close friends. So close, in fact, that a source confirmed to E! News that Robert Pattinson sought refuge at Witherspoon's estate in Ojai, California in 2012, following the news of his then-girlfriend Kristen Stewart's quote, momentary indiscretion with Snow White and the Huntsman director, Rupert Sanders. So guess they became pretty good friends if he felt like he could run away from the world. Paul White and the Snuntsman. <laughs> and now I have some tidbits that I pulled from IMDb. So uh, the owner of the circus at the beginning mentions the Hagenbeck-Wallace wreck and the Hartford fire. Those were actual circus disasters. On June 22nd, 1918, a train, a troop train crashed into the Hagenbeck Wallace circus train because the driver fell asleep and did not see the warning signs about the stop circus train. 86 people were killed and another 127 were injured. On July 6th, 1944, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Big Top Circus Tent at Hartford caught fire and killed 169 people and injured over 700. I imagine that the history of the American circus is very wrought with lots of tragedies and whatnot. It just seems like a very, very dangerous lifestyle, dangerous... Wow, toilet flush right in the middle of me talking. Hey, when you gotta go, you gotta go. For fuck's sake. (laughs) Um, A fun behind-the-scenes tidbit. Reese Witherspoon stated in interviews that the love scene she did with Robert Pattinson wasn't pleasant at all. He had a bad cold the day of filming. He even sneezed at one point. Witherspoon said he was literally snorting and snotting through every second of it, and it was not appealing. I'm talking green, infectious, disgusting. (laughs) And another really cool tidbit. Almost all of the circus wagon carts that appeared in the movie were the original carts from the Ringling Brothers shows. During production, the Circus World Museum in Baraboo, Wisconsin, shipped its circus carts to California to be used for filming. As of late, they are all now back in their original display building. 
This is a thing that I, so I've known about the Circus World Museum in Baraboo, Wisconsin for a really long time. When I was in college, uh, I went to UW Oshkosh, which is in eastern Wisconsin. We actually, for one of my geology classes, drove to Baraboo to look at rock formations or some shit. It was really boring, but kind of cool. But I read about this Circus World Museum and it sounds really cool. They have elephants and stuff there. And the last I heard, they still do shows. So I like don't want to support that. And I'll talk more about elephant rights and shit in my controversial take and stuff. But it also just sounds really cool to go see all that history. Like I want to see all those carts and stuff. That'd be fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And then one last piece for my movie magic. I want to get back to seeing what Roger Ebert thought of movies because I respect his opinion very greatly. He gave this movie three stars, which I believe four is the most, right? I think so. Four stars. He says, there's something endearingly old-fashioned about a love story involving a beautiful bareback rider and a kid who runs off to join the circus. What makes Water for Elephants more intriguing is a third character reminding us why Christoph Waltz deserved his supporting actor Oscar for Inglorious Bastards in 2009. He plays the circus owner who is married to the bareback rider and keeps her and everyone else in his iron grip. So he definitely agrees with you about Christoph Waltz. See, I'm right. I'm right. Water for Elephants was directed by Francis Lawrence, whose I Am Legend and Constantine were not predictions of this relatively classic film. The screenplay is by Richard Lagravenese, whose The Horse Whisperer also showed a sympathy for the personality of animals. Rosie is not as charismatic as a horse, and as Jacob observed, she suffers from dry skin, but you have to concede that her timing is impeccable. This is a good, sound family entertainment, a safe PG-13, but not a dumb one, and it's a refreshing interlude before we hurtle into the summer blockbuster season. So. Yay. Yay. And one last tidbit, Scarlett Johansson turned down the role of Marlena. Okay. I could have seen her in that, but I really like Reese. I think I would have preferred her, actually. Oh, what's wrong with you? Uh, oh, oh, and then another tidbit. I wrote down in the margins uh, when they hired Robert Pattinson. They're like, we'll pay you $9 a week. And you and I both chuckled. But $9 a week in 1931 translates to about $168 today. Which is still shit. Yeah. There's no way you could survive on that. But mm. if you were literally, like, their life is beating on this circus. Like, they don't do anything else. Right. I so guess what the you fuck don't are to, they going to spend their money on? You don't have to pay rent. Yeah. They probably feed them. Yeah. So, interesting. Okay. Hey, Jacobson. Hey, Jacobson. Who would you bone? Who would you bone? Baby, who would you Robert Pattinson. Mm. I got a thing for him. Okay. Yeah. Get over it. I would like to try Reese's Pieces. Ah, Reese's Pieces with her spoon. Um, I said Marlena, I guess. Just because, I mean, she was the most attractive chick in the movie. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, like, super into Reese Witherspoon, but... Mm. Oh, God. See, I think she's so beautiful in this movie. She was my number two. 
Um, you just want to take a number two on her. Oh, fuck off. Ewie. Who wouldn't you bone? Christoph Waltz. Fuck that guy. All right. Fuck him. So you realize the point of who wouldn't you bone is the, like, if you... I know, to be funny and, like, no, who would you least want to bone out of everybody? Out but... of everyone. I picked Walter, the little, like, little guy, you know? Oh, you know? What have you got against little people? Nothing. But he's the one I would least like to bone in the whole movie. Well. If I had to bone somebody. I suppose I wouldn't be too keen on getting it, getting busy with Camel. The old guy. <laughs> See, now you're getting it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you had to choose between August, played by Christoph Waltz, or Camel, you're going to choose to bone Christoph Waltz's characters. <sighs> That's the point of that category. Get it right. Fuck you. Controversial take. What is yours? Um, it's difficult to watch animal abuse, uh, even when you know it's fake. Um, but it is good to shed light on such things. It's important. Yes. And I guarantee you... If you're ever at a fair or like when we go to the Renaissance Festival and they do have elephants and it makes me sad every time we see them, you will see a man walking around holding a bull hook. That is not something that has gone away. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. So my controversial take, we're going to get heavy for a second. So back when this movie came out, there was actually kind of a scandal that um, the elephant trainers were accused of abusing the elephant that played Rosie. Her name is Ty. Not for this film, but previously, I think it, it was in like 2005 or something, they unearthed a video of them using shock tactics to train her. Mm. Which if you have dug in at all into how elephants are trained or the history of just like the fucking terrible history of what we as human beings have done to elephants to bring them from Asia and Africa to our country to train and exploit and use for entertainment. Like you don't teach an elephant to stand on their head by asking them nicely. It's terrible. It's fucking terrible. The things yeah. that they do to them. There's a book called The Last Chain on Billy, which is about an elephant named Billy who is off and on in different circuses and zoos throughout her life. And uh, she had a an iron chain on her ankle from when they, like, you know, chained them to stuff. And she got so aggressive over the years because she was abused so badly that she wouldn't let anybody touch it. She wouldn't let anybody take it off. And it wasn't until she ended up at the elephant sanctuary in Tennessee, where she is now. Uh, but they eventually, after a couple of years, were able to gain her trust enough to be able to take it off. And that's where the title of the book comes from. But it's a really great book. It's like every other chapter. One chapter is a, is about Billy's story. And then the next chapter is like a history on the terrible history of what we've done to elephants and how they brought them overseas and training techniques. And it's fucking terrible. A lot of very ripping babies from their mothers, d abusing the fuck out of them when they're babies to teach them to do all these terrible things that are just incredibly unnatural for them to do. It's really sad. So, so yeah. So back in 2011, there's all this controversy that they had um, taught, Ty to do her tricks uh, by giving her electric shocks. It was cleared. Like, those allegations were cleared eventually, I guess, which is kind of shitty. But the thing 
that pisses me off beyond belief, and I discovered this in my research just now for this movie. So I got this information from a website called dallas.culturemap.com. So the elephant that played Rosie, her name is Ty, she did die a year ago in May. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read from this article because they, I'm going to, I'm going to bungle it if I just try to say it myself. So uh, an elephant that was used in the making of high profile Hollywood films died at an elephant facility in Texas, one that's been accused of mistreating animals for decades. Ty was a 55-year-old female Asian elephant who became most famous after after being used in the 2011 film Water for Elephants. She was residing at the Elephant Preserve in the Texas Hill Country, which on May 7th sent out an email to its subscribers saying she died after a brief illness. On the phone, a spokesperson from the preserve said she died of kidney failure. Ty is the second elephant to have died at the preserve in the past year at this time. Dixie, another 55-year-old, died approximately three months prior, also reportedly due to kidney failure. Ty and Dixie were two of five Asian elephants, along with Kitty, Rosie, and Becky, all captured from the wild, residing at the preserve, an animal facility operated by a business called Have Trunk Will Travel. Have Trunk Will Travel is the agency that prior to becoming, quote unquote, the preserve, like it was like the animal entertainment industry that would rent out animals to movie productions like they did for Water for Elephants. This is where I start to get pissed off. (laughs) Have Trunk Will Travel owners Gary and Carrie Johnson, that's unfortunate, (laughs) were previously located in California, but moved their facility and animals to Texas in 2018 after the Golden State banned the use of bull hooks, which are the metal rods with painfully sharp hooks used to train elephants. When the Johnsons relocated to Texas, they changed their name to the preserve and claimed to be promoting elephant education, knowledge, and conservation. They charge $125 per person for the opportunity to bathe elephants and snap selfies while the elephants are forced to stand on their hind legs and other unnatural positions as seen in a video that they linked to in this article. This is bringing back some uh, Carol Baskin vibes. Right. So... (sighs) This really just pissed me off. I So as I was talking about with Billy, when I read that book about Billy, I researched the facility that she lives in in Tennessee called the Elephant Sanctuary. I actually donated $50 to their organization so that I could sponsor Billy. And they sent me a really beautiful photo of her, like an 8 by 10 that I actually still would like to get framed. I think I have it in my file cabinet. But the thing that's wonderful about that sanctuary is it truly is a sanctuary. These animals are not on display. It's not a zoo. You cannot, as a regular civilian, just go and look at them. They no longer have to perform. They no longer have to exist to be entertainment for human beings. It's wonderful. A place like this, this just pisses me off. This see, not only did these people move from California to Texas because bullhooks were banned in California, A, you're a piece of shit, but B, in my mind, they go, oh, the, the climate has changed around the way that we treat, treat animals and what's good or bad. Uh, Tiger King, hi, shed a lot of light on that kind of stuff. 
Um, so we're going to rebrand like we're this place that's all about conservation and education, but we're still going to charge over $125 per person for you to come and play with these animals that are trained. It's no better than having them perform in a circus or at the zoo. Right. It is fucking implorable. So I wanted to end my controversial take by imploring everyone out there, do not do these types of experiences with any wild animals. You can pay to go swim with dolphins. You can pay to have your photo taken with a tiger. You can pay to do shit like this with elephants. Fucking don't. They are beautiful animals. And yes, even me, I would love to. Oh, I would love to. They're so beautiful. And to be that close to something that beautiful would be priceless. But a lot of these animals that these types of things are done with are highly intelligent and emotional creatures, and they are not here for our entertainment. It is fucking inhumane. And someone like Ty, someone, an elephant like Ty, was still abused to be taught how to do these tricks. Like, they're doing it from, like, pain memory. Yeah. That doesn't go away. So don't enforce it. Don't give companies or organizations like this a leg to stand on. Don't support the Carol Baskins of the world. Or the Joe Exotics. Right. Well, yeah. And we were just... So on TikTok, I follow all these fucking accounts that have, you know, like big cat sanctuaries because they're super fun videos. Uh, There's a place here in Minnesota in Sandstone called like the Big Cat Sanctuary or something. And they have so many amazing big cats, but it is not open to the fucking public. You cannot go and ogle these animals, and that's the way that it should be. We have Brucey. He's our big cat. Yeah. They're all, all these big kitties act the same. You know, you put mm-hmm. catnip down and they rub their face in it. You can rub their tummies if they don't bite you. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I'm right. done. I'm done going nuts over that. Uh, this is a very similar type of um, high energy that I get when I talk about shit like blackfish and right. fucking SeaWorld. <clears throat> I see red. Okay. So. Moving along. Okay. Emotional take. What do you have, my love? Uh, Whenever I think about animals being abused or having a shitty life, it always makes me hug my cats even tighter and feel good about saving them from their variety of situations, of course. So, Forrest, we adopted from a shelter. Mm -hmm. Bruce was a stray cat that we took in off the street. And Kevin was a barn cat. Yeah. Yeah. We have quite the mix. Yeah, with the menagerie. Yes. the mena- You're the menagerie man. And I love them. I love them so much. Yes, they're sweet babies. They're all being, uh, well, Forrest is at the top of the cat tree looking out the window like there's birds down there or something. He's such a bird watcher. I can't wait until we move in a new house and we can do like bird feeders and shit. Mm-hmm. I love it when Bruce does his like... <laughs> he's the only one that does that and i wish they all did so my emotional take is also just related to how terrible animal abuse is this period of time i mean do your research dig into circus history it's just Mm, it's pretty sad it's pretty sad the way that these animals were treated and they make a there's a line in the movie about um uh, when Robert Pattinson is scooping shit and he's like, I've never seen this much manure in my life. And the guy that he's scooping with is like, oh, they pack them 27 to a car. I was like, Holocaust much? Jesus. Yeah. Not cool. But um, 
the tragedy that was animal care in circuses is what makes me super emotional. And the treatment of elephants in general, I just read to Jonah yesterday in the Water for Elephants book and the author's note in the back, she tells a story about Topsy the elephant, which was in the early 1900s, and she had killed her trainer. And normally they give elephants a couple of strikes, you know, if, if for harming people before anything is really done. But this was like her third strike. And Thomas Edison got involved. They they sold tickets to electrocuting Topsy to death and then like paraded her body around. It's so terrible. It's fucking terrible. And just, I'm sorry, human beings are a goddamn disease to yes, animals, to everything, to the environment, to everything. So if there's anything that you can do as a human being for animal rights, please do it. Don't be a piece of shit. Don't be a piece of shit. Don't be a piece of shit. Jacobson, who does your Oscar go to and why? <sighs> My Oscar is going to go to the set design. This movie transports you to a different time. I thought it was really cool to read about how they got all those set pieces from the Circus World Museum or whatever. Like, those are actual Ringling Brothers train cars and stuff like that. Like, oh, so fucking sweet. And uh, that kind of ties into the costume design, too. But, yeah, like, you you are just transported back to the 1930s. And those color palettes, the the red and the gold and makes me think of Moulin Rouge. Like, oh, just beautiful. So beautiful. What is, who's your, what is your Oscar going to? Uh, Christoph Waltz for acting. Yeah. He really made the movie for me and maybe for a lot of people. Yeah. He's so. such a good bad guy. He really is. What do you rate this movie, my love? I gave it an 8.5. Yay! Um, only because I actually thought Robert Pattinson was a little weak to me. Reese Witherspoon was like, fine. She was okay. Yeah. Robert Pattinson has done better in other movies. Right. He was a little flat at times. Yeah. But um, I also, I, I will say that I really enjoyed the like, little side characters and stuff like that. Like all the like that guys, you know, as they're known yeah. that you recognize from different things, but never, you know, you no one ever knows their name. There mm-hmm. were some, there were some good ones in there. Yeah. Kevin so. has joined us. So good supporting cast also. Yeah. All right. What, um, what do you give it, Kevin? It says, I give it a nine. Cause there was tigers in it. And lions. Yeah. yeah. Mm, why do cats smell so good? I don't know. Usually it the back of their good. neck smells like fish cause they chew on each other. Just <laughs> sick. Um, impact and influence of this movie on the industry, Jacobson. Uh, I didn't go too big picture with this. I just, last year in 2021, it was the 15 year anniversary of the book and the 10 year anniversary of the movie. I don't think this movie was like a huge tentpole in film history in any way, shape or form, but, um. I'll give you a huge tentpole. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) the, the concept though, I really love a movie that's a good, like historical fiction you know, like this very well could have happened. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just a wonderful movie. And they've all gone on to continue to have wonderful careers. And did this movie get any Oscar love at all? Any nominations or I feel like, you know, it could have, you know, been in that zone for it's, sure. It's possible. It's possible. Why don't we jump into Jonah's bullet points? Jonah. 
It's the things I want to say, but I don't want to talk about. Watching this movie reminded me of the smells of the circus. Uh, the animals, the popcorn, the roasted peanuts. Immediately, I was just brought back to going to um, the Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus. Um, and in New York City, we would go every fall. Yeah. Um, but then also there was the Big Apple Circus, and that always came to, to up to Vermont. Uh, do you want to share your fun tidbit we were talking about the other day yeah so yeah so um my partner elena um always i guess when she was a kid also used to go to the same circus that i did so when we were little kids we were both attending the exact same circus at madison square garden um and of course we didn't know each other yet so that's just really neat yeah i love stuff like that yeah i said damn the circus was hardcore yo uh it was kind of run like the mafia or something i was like jeez you know uh, anywho, yeah, the jumping off the train scene was so intense. I was like really on the edge of my seat for that when when Pattinson and Reese Witherspoon were gonna mm. jump and leave, you know, mm-hmm. and the guys were chasing them. So my prediction was that August was actually gonna get eaten by the lion. I thought that the 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 thing with the toothless lion that uh. scene was sort of foreshadowing him being eaten by a lion. So I thought that was what was gonna happen. Like someone was gonna push him into the lion's uh, cage right. or something. More animal abuse that actually really did happen. Pulling teeth out of big cats so people wouldn't get mauled. Mm. Fucking horrible. Uh, Pattinson was okay, but he was the weakest part of this movie. He still had Edward emo vibes to me. <laughs> like, he's just, like, the same character, pretty much. Um, I remember as a kid considering running away and joining the circus, as though that was actually a viable option in 1992. LOL! Exclamation point. <laughs> you know, like, when you get in a, a fight with your dad or something, or your mom, and you're like, I'm running away, and I'm like, I'm gonna run away and join the circus. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Kids are dumb. Uh, this movie was great at building tension and excitement, largely due to Waltz's performance, but also the way the story and the cinematography moved things along. You know, you really it was you really felt like you were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching Mally struggle to come up with the alternate porn title brings me joy and makes me giggle. <laughs> You're a turd. Uh, the Pattinson-Rosie relationship was much more interesti- interesting and captivating to me than the Pattinson and Reese relationship. Oh, There was more there. Uh, lovable old man characters are actually a favorite of mine. Um, like, for example, Duncan from Duncan's Toy Chest Toy Store in Home Alone 2. Oh, yeah. Or um, the old man in the Green Mile. So the old man in Green Mile, of course, is like old Tom Hanks's character. Mm, ooh, yeah. Or like the old man in... Um the notebook but really he's like old ryan gosling right yeah, yeah. i always i always like that yeah, uh, that trope that as it were um and then finally i just want to apologize to our listeners for the lack of consistency in our episodes um being released so formally apologizing here we just mallory and i are just so busy and we have crazy lives and um doing this podcast is something that we love and deeply enjoy and something we do together but sometimes life just gets in the way Mm -hmm. so yeah ideally we'd like to release an episode every week sometimes we don't release an episode for three weeks and then we're like fuck we got to put out an episode and right well and i've been trying to use um minisodes as sort of a band-aid to that and i've gotten away from that even because i i stupidly overloaded myself with work and had a bit of a breakdown about it. And I'm finally getting through everything and getting back into a good zone. Because I need to, like, put so- time aside to do this. Because this project is, like, my creative outlet where I'm using my skill set to do something for me. 
So it is, it is a good, fun exercise for me, and I miss it when we miss mm. it. I did post in our Instagram story yesterday. I was posting about how our, our episode on Phoenix Rising has done so well. 236 downloads, and that came out end of January. Not only is that the most downloads for any single episode, but like that's the quickest that we've amassed that many listens, yeah. downloads, whatever. So I'm going to do a part two. Okay. Because I did that episode on part one of Phoenix Rising, which is the documentary detailing Evan Rachel Wood naming uh, Marilyn Manson, a.k.a. Brian Warner, Warner as her abuser. I'm going to do a mini-sode on part two because it seems like people want it. And in that Instagram story talking about that, I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. We're a little behind. <laughs> we'll try to be better. We'll be better, I promise. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Movie Lovers. Uh, please get out and support your local movie theaters, especially if they're independently owned. But if you go out to an AMC, that's cool, too. Whatevs. Yeah. We love you. And thanks for checking us out if you're new. And we're going to just keep on trucking along and doing this because it's fun as fuck. It sure fucking is. <laughs> if you are a fan, if you this is the first episode you're listening to or the 15th episode you've listened to, Go rate, review, subscribe where you listen. It helps us out a lot. Yes. K love you bye. K love you bye. Oh, 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 yeah. We are movie, movie lovers. We love movies because they're sweet. We are movie, movie motherfuckers. We love movies, they can be beat. Thanks for listening to Movie Lovers. If you like what you heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your feedback goes a really long way to helping our little podcast that could be seen by the world. Also, don't forget to give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram too. You can find us by searching the handle Movie Lovers Pod on either platform. This is the part of the podcast where Jonah and I shamelessly promote our respective services that we provide in our careers. I'm a session musician and composer for hire. I do commission pieces ranging from podcast jingles to keyboard and orchestral arrangements, video game soundtracks, etc. The sky is the limit. If you're looking for custom composition services, you can find me on my website at www.jonahweingarten.com. That's J-O-N-A-H-W-E-I-N-G-A-R-T-E-N.com. Movie Lovers is a Mally Creative production. I, Mally, am the owner of Mally Creative, a marketing and multimedia design agency. If you or anyone you know is in the market for social media strategy, design, or management services, or perhaps you need a new website designed or even print or digital graphic design services, please reach out to me at my website, www.mallycreative.com. Again, that's www.mallycreative.com.
If you'd like to advertise on our podcast, please reach out to us on social media, on our website at www.movieloverspod.com, or by contacting Mally Creative.